I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is gonna feel real good, alright? Most dope. Everybody, please put a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. We are coming to you from the beautiful Wildfire Studios here in somewhere in New Jersey. My name is Bill Matz, and I am your director of fun and games for the evening. Uh, the Flyers won their last game, so I'm going to try to keep it light tonight. Uh, Wayne Simmons with that awesome breakaway goal. Uh, what, what fun Wayne Simmons is. Probably the greatest Flyer uh, of the last 40 years. Let me introduce you to my panel, starting with Kelly Hinkle. Hi. Um, I was going to say something else, but since I'm going to keep it light and fun, Troy Bradenshen. <laughs> uh, the man with the observations, Charlie O'Connor. Observations, Charlie O'Connor. So we're, we're nearly to the trade deadline, which means we've reached that great part of the year where we breathlessly announce every scout that's at every game, because that obviously means that all the trades are going to happen if a San Jose scout happens to be in an Arizona Coyotes game. Like, it's obviously, I guess that means they're making this blockbuster trade tomorrow. Like, can we stop obsessing over this? Scouts are paid to watch games. That's their job. And do it we- doesn't mean a trade's definitely going to happen. Wait, does this mean we're getting Brent Burns? Maybe. Probably, yeah. I think, actually, Brent Burns knows he's getting traded to the Flyers, and he threw that game. I think Uh, you're onto something. He actually allowed Wayne Simmons to dance around him once and steal the puck from him once. Uh, Yeah, That is is absolutely insane, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it happens all the time. I want to... Does... Like, the people who report that stuff, even if they just, like, take a picture of the seating assignments in the press box, like, there's never a differentiation between, like, a scout... Who's like, okay, we're here to see X, Y, and Z player, maybe, or an advanced scout, a guy just there to watch that team because his team plays them next week. Because hmm. you know they do that. That's a that's a thing in sports and all sports. Unless uh, you know who, like, what each scout because they, yeah. they they don't just say like the team. They have the name of the scout. Yeah. So if you happen to know what that scout's role is with their team, if you then maybe. But I guarantee you, ninety five percent of the reporters that post that stuff don't have a clue. No. They just are like, oh yeah, this is going to get people talking and get people all excited because trades happen. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> and like they could be there to watch either team. It's like so like a Flyers beat writer goes like, this is who's here to watch. Yeah, maybe we're going to make a trade with this team. Yeah, maybe, probably not. Like. I doubt it. <laughs> Probably not. Who would want any of the Flyers players? Couldn't tell you. <laughs> that beautiful voice you just heard. Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. So I've got an issue with stats uh-huh. and the Flyers. Uh-oh. 
I so, can't wait for this. The hockey team, the Flyers? The hockey team, the Flyers. So stats are supposed to back up the eye test. Like, or prove it wrong. Well, explain what we're seeing and why we're seeing it. Like, it's supposed to be complimentary. It's two parts, and it's all about the ice sport. So what the fuck do you do when the stats show there's no reason for the things that you're seeing on the ice? Like, or in the press box, and I'm looking specifically at the scratch of Shane Goss's bear because there's absolutely no fucking reason for that. What do you do? Like, at, at what point do you say, all right, well, this team obviously doesn't care about the reasons things are happening. They just care that the things are happening. You exile the nerds. Mm. You send them to Siberia. I mean, you it's know. pretty cold there. Sorry, Charlie. Yeah. Well, they, they I'll, play I'll hockey. You tell me, coat. computer boy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's hard to know. Like, I think what your big concern here is if... If the stats are saying that Shane Goss bear, his underlying metrics are good, and they're saying that the underlying metrics of Andrew McDonald are bad, the fact that they are frustrated with Shane Goss bear and relatively happy with Andrew McDonald, does that mean that the Flyers aren't paying attention to stats? I don't know. Maybe. My, my, it, 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 I, I would say it's more likely that the coaching staff isn't paying that close attention to them, or they're interpreting them in an entirely different way, as we do publicly. My biggest problem is that there's no logic. Like, If you can tell a story... And you can back up the story and it makes sense. That's logical. If you're just doing things on emotion or on a whim, like that doesn't make any fucking sense. Well, classic example being Gosses Bear and Vandeveldi. Like we talk mm. about how Gosses Bear <laughs> his how his like his plus minus or like the advanced version of that, which is goals for percentage, how that's been really bad this year. And it has. 100% has been bad. He's has a very bad plus minus. Flyers have been outscored with him on the ice. But I believe the second worst on the team is Chris Vandevelde, hmm. who is one of, I think, six players who have never been scratched or has, have played in every single game this year. Like, if you're that concerned about goals percentage with Gossespair, why are you concerned about it with Vandevelde? Is he really that good of a penalty killer that we can just throw that out the window? But for Ghost, it's like the worst thing in the world? I think we learned last week that, you know, the coaching staff has reasons. They're just absolutely batshit insane. Right, there's so, no there's no logic behind it. It's actually bad. Yeah, like it would be better if if they didn't have reasons and they were just like, mm, I'm gonna throw a dart. Ghost, you're sitting. That would be better. But no, they think Ghost is bad, right. and that's horrifying. Well, I'd like to make the point that last week we when we had the conversation about the fourth line and we were saying, you know, Weiss wouldn't be that bad as a fourth line winger, but if they put him on the fourth line, you know, they would stra- they would scratch Lubim off over Vandevelde, and then it happened. And then it happened. It happened. We make things happen. That's what we do. Here. That's one of the. I watched that all unfold, and I was like, "Now they're trolling us." <laughs> <laughs> I watched that all unfold. I was like, "There's no reason for what's going on here." I see you, Dave Haxtell. I know you're listening. But uh, okay, I was going to say something else, but we'll just save that for the next conversation because you brought up plus minus Charlie, and while it is a mostly useless stat, it kind of. <sighs> It can kind of tell a story in context. Oh, absolutely. If you're going to look at it, please look at it in context. Shane Gossespierre, minus 20. Braden Shen, minus 17. Claude Giroux, minus 17. Those numbers would be really concerning if the team as a whole wasn't minus 21. Mm. Because the team is getting outscored in all situations by 21 goals, it makes sense that the best players, Wayne Simmons, minus 16. Jake Voracek, minus 15. The best players who play the most are just on the ice for goals against. That's what happens. And it also makes Ivan Provorov's minus six really impressive. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, and, and it's hard because... And Sean Couturier at minus one on a team that's minus 21, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. <clears throat> yeah, and it's hard because like so much of 
goals percentage, which is basically plus minus. Like so much of it is is subject to things like save percentage or shooting percentage. Sure. Like we talked about it with Gossip Bear, where it. Gossip. He's shooting under 4% Yeah, yeah. Now. The, the Flyers are shooting under 4% with Gossip Bear on the ice. They're shooting over 10% with Schultz on the ice. This is probably just <laughs> fluky. This probably isn't that Nick Schultz is driving up the shooting percentage of his teammates. But at the same time, I do agree that there there's something to be learned from plus minus if you use it as like a very, very secondary stat. Yeah. The problem is it's not used as a very secondary stat. No, it's, it's put next to goals assist like it's goals assists points plus minus. Like and that put it, like it's ahead of penalty minutes. Like people look at that and go, this must mean something. It's like where batting average would be. Like uh, no. <laughs> Mm. No, it's useless. Uh, it's not. It's mostly useless the way we interpret it. But if you're going to look at it, please look at it in context. Now, what I wanted to talk about to start the show is this this ridiculous Gustav Nyquist high Oof. stick on Jared Spurgeon. Oof. This this straight up doc like Phil McCracken style, <laughs> like trying to put his eye out deliberately. I mean, it was absolutely deliberately. Have we heard anything uh, about this? Uh, like about I know he's going to have an in person hearing. So he, 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 he waived, waived it, it, but it's still he okay. still gets. He's going to get over five games. Yeah. It, it, yeah. If you get an if you get an invite to get an in person hearing, you're going to get more than five games. How much he's going to get? I don't know. I mean, I think he could get up to ten. We'll know Wednesday. I think I would like. I, I think it has to start at ten. There's it has one. To. There's one thing in my mind that you can eliminate entirely. Like to me, I th- I would I would make playing the puck with a high stick a penalty personally because there's no reason to lift your stick ever. There's no reason to raise your stick that high. I think it's stupid. And I, this is not lacrosse. Deliberately, this is hockey. Deliberately hitting someone in the face with your stick is the dirtiest play you can make. You it can really talk, is. You can talk all you want about slew foots and hits from behind and all this stuff that is within the parameters of the game. Hitting somebody with a weapon isn't hockey. It's assault. Yeah. This guy, and he like got underneath the visor too. Yeah. Like this was, was I'm, I'm trying to take out your eye. And like in re- I can see how the refs reacted the way they did in real time because you can see that play and think he might have been going for the stick lift or mm-hmm. something like that. And you see that happen a lot where stick lifts, you whiff and you get the guy in the face with the stick. This was, you see him hesitate for a second and he looks at him and he gets a stick up under there. Oh yeah, on the replay, it's no, gross. There is no question about what his intentions were. And it's really hard to like interpret intentions. This one's cut and dry. I agree. Yep. I agree. It's, it's gross. And I, I would also, I, I'd probably start at 10, 10 games, 10 to 15. Oh. It, it, it's bad. If someone were to be like, he's out for the rest of the year, I'd be like, cool. But I get it. That's yeah, not but, what the NHL does. This is going to yeah. be six games and it'll get reduced to five. Yeah. And the one thing that does save him is that like, which is why it was so bizarre. Like he's never been a player that's done anything like this. Like if, if this was, if this was something that came from like a Matt Cook type. Hmm. then you'd be like, oh, that makes sense. Like, yeah, he's a dirtbag. But, like, Nyquist has kind of just been, like, a guy. Like, he's not a bad player. He's, he's an okay player. Never really, at least to my knowledge, has shown signs of being dirty. And then out of nowhere, he just loses his mind for a three-second period. And it was it, it, it was retaliatory. Yeah. Retali- something like that. And, uh, like, it was after Spurgeon cross-checked him in the back along the boards. But that cross-check, that little... Jab in the that back, like a thousand that times. That happens a game. on every single shift I've ever watched. Like, yeah, you'd rather the guy not cross check him in that position, but I've seen it happen a million times. Yeah, yeah like, I'm, I'm watching it right there's now. There's absolutely no excuse for that kind of play. No. And you mentioned it with with like you know attacking with a weapon. Like that's the scary part about hockey is that you basically have a bunch of guys 
flying around the ice at top speed, basically with pieces of lumber that are slightly less heavy than baseball bats. And like, you can easily smack someone in the head with them if you want to. And you just hope that every player on the ice doesn't want to do that. And when yeah. someone does, then it's really scary. No, and th- they that- got weapons on their feet, too. <laughs> True. Happy Gilmore Happy style. Happy Gilmore takes skate off trying to stab somebody with it. Have you seen Happy Gilmore stuff? Yes, I have. Okay. Um, no, more than one occasion. That. All right. And that, it get, that part gets me into the conversation I had on Twitter uh, last night, which was about enforcers. And the idea came up that with no enforcers in the game anymore, guys are going to be more empowered to make these dirty plays. I'm so stupid. And, like, I'm a fan of the fights. We've been over this. I love, I love fighting. It. Love it. Love the fights. Love enforcers. Favorite player ever is Frank Bialos. Blah, blah, blah. The idea that they were ever deterrence is a joke. It's an absolute joke to me. Nobody was ever, oh, I'm going to hit this guy in the back. I'm going to hit him with my stick. Oh, no, I see Dave Schultz. I guess I shouldn't. Like, that never happened. Otherwise, you would never need enforcers in the first place to seek the revenge that they seek. It's always been the case. I... I it's a it's a circular argument. I, the idea of deterrence it's just not true, and it's something people use to be ah oh, we need this in the game still. Eh, no, we don't. I still believe fighting has a place, but not fighters. Yeah, totally agree. No, and I agree too. Like there's there's at no point in in the recent game, maybe before my time, but at no point do you have somebody saying. I'm not going to go after Claude Giroux because you've got Jay Rosehill coming out a couple minutes later. Like, that's just not going to happen. The Flyers have had a roster full of heavyweights for most of my life. You know what never stopped anyone from doing? Taking runs at Eric Lindros, who was also the biggest player on the ice and could whoop your ass unless you knocked him out first. Mm. Like, he beat everybody up. (laughs) Like, Mm. it it never worked. I could see, like, I could... I think Wayne Simmons did an interview with Isaac a few, maybe last week, talking about similar things like that. And the the point that Simmons made, which I could buy, is like the removal of enforcers from the game has increased the amount of annoying shit that people do. Like the little, not the things that are actually going to hurt someone, but like the little slashes and the little, you know, the 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 little cross checks and stuff. He's like, that's got that that happens more, which I could buy. That you know. Players who are kind of dicks are like, well, you know, I can do this because I'm not going to get punched in the face and now I don't have to fight. If somebody comes up to me, I can, you know, just draw the instigator penalty and walk away. Like, I get that. I don't think it actually deters, number one, fights. Number two, like, legitimately dirty hits. Like, they, they're going to happen because they happen. I don't think anything gets deterred by the fact that Donald Brashear isn't there to beat your face in. That's the other thing is, like, all the, these incidents with sticks... I believe that they were much like this happens now and we're like, oh, my God, throw him in jail. <laughs> and like in the age of enforcers, well, this shit happened all the time. Like I've seen plenty of people get hit in the head with sticks, hit in the face with sticks like Marty McSorley, yeah. Wayne yep. Gretzky's bodyguard that like is going to be on his tombstone. Hit someone in the head with his stick. Donald Brashear, a guy who could turn around and pummel him to death. Mm. It didn't stop either of them from doing it. Like nope. uh, it just. uh no, I I agree. I agree. And then the, and, like, it, and then it, two it pains me to have to say that doesn't make sense. Your argument pro fighting, even though I'm pro fighting, I'm, but it I'm make also sense. pro fighting. But no, yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't make sense, and it doesn't make sense to even think that each team having an enforcer <laughs> is good because then they just fight each other, and then they, and that's pro wrestling. And yeah. it really is. It's it's staged. And what's the point? Uh, well, I I enjoy it. Oh yeah, um, but. 
for it. Yeah. But no, it's it's not. It's but not, I also love pro wrestling. It's not part of the game. It's just not part of the game, but it's not going to stop anybody else from doing whatever else but they want because your two goons are fighting each that other. That was the big story from uh, Saturday's national game, uh, Red Wings Wild. Uh, that sat- Sunday or Sundays. It was the Sunday Stars game where they're showing all the all the big stars around the league, and I guess the Red Wings and Wild have big stars somewhere. Uh, but the thing that got lost in that game is one: I haven't really watched a ton of Minnesota this year. Jesus, are they fast? Bruce, they are Bruce Bruger, a good man. team. He knows how to coach. <laughs> he knows how to coach. I pay attention to the Wild because. I've got. I a love couple their name. Of, I have a couple of them on my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> I have Zach Parise. They and are Charlie so Coyle. freaking fast, and yeah. like I, I was just watching it, thinking I would love to watch this team in a Stanley Cup final. Mm. Like, yeah, that would be fun. I, I, I held against them for a couple of years, the Parisian Suter off season, mostly because the Flyers missed out on those guys, but. Uh, I, I like what they have. They like, play fast. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's so, so much of it, it, when we talk about speed, like so much of speed in hockey isn't even just like we have all the fastest players on NHL, you know, NHL 17, all our, our guys are over 90 speed rating. Like it's so much of it, the style, the, the style you play. Like if you're playing a style where your coach allows you to just attack, like the Penguins looked like an extremely fast team last year in the playoffs. It's not because every single one of the players in their team is a speed demon. It's because they played a constantly attacking style. And Boudreaux is an aggressive coach. Yeah. He has his team playing a constantly attacking style. And that's why, you know, guys, yes, like guys like Jason Zucker are really freaking fast. But, you know, guys like, you know, Parise and Suter, are they as fast as they were five years ago? No, but they're allowed to just go because their coach figures they can, you know, outskill the other teams and they're doing it. And then watching how good Minnesota was, I was. I didn't realize how freaking bad Detroit is. Mm, yes. And then I looked, I was just looking at it. They're over $6 million over the cap. Who the hell are they paying? They're, they're a disaster. They don't have any good players. Well, that's a question that actually I saw this weekend. Like, how are teams operating above the cap? It's probably because of long-term IR is what I'm guessing. Oh, they have Jimmy sense. Howard, okay. Jonathan Erickson, Johan Franzen, and uh, Joe Vitale. Oh, yeah, Franzen's the big one because oh, Franzen's yeah. career is probably over. Yeah. So All he's, he's, like a, he's in a pronger situation. Okay, all right. That makes sense. I Because there are a couple teams. It's not just them. There's a couple teams that are operating above yeah. the cap. But if it's LTIR, then I understand now. Yeah, Detroit. I feel like Detroit last year was getting like pumped up by the fact that Datsuk was still really good. And once they lost him, like the entire house of cards just toppled over yeah. because he like somehow even at age whatever was like 36, 37 last year. He's still a really good player. Like I think there was a period where like with him on the ice, they were like a 54 percent Corsi team. And without him, they were like 46. Like it was it was bad. And he left. Obviously, he went back to Russia. And now the, the, the Detroit's such a mess because they have some good young players, but they don't trust them like. Like, happy to see you, as you call him. Uh, he's really <laughs> fun, and he scores like crazy. They use him like a third liner. Anthony Mantha is driving play to a ridiculous degree this year. They use him like a third liner, and they're using guys like Riley Sheehan and Justin Ablocator and uh, Luke Glendening, like, high up in the lineup. These guys kind of suck. Like, Ablocator's okay, but the other, two are, the other two are pretty bad. And they use them because the coaches love these... Like everything that we complain about Hackstall, like I was just gonna say, this all sounds is, very familiar. Very, Charles. very like Hackstall on steroids is pretty yeah. much what Detroit's dealing with right now. Ooh, that sounds like they may be a good trade partner. I actually think that um, <laughs> they're selling. They're they're they, like I mean, last. They have, they have to. Yeah, they they're last to. in the East. I think like 
they, well, this this is going to be the quickly. year that that breaks their streak. It's their over. Playoff yeah, oh, it's yeah. done. Henrik Zetterberg is quoted as saying, "Not on my watch." But uh, no. sorry, bro. Well, I forgot about but, Dan- uh, Danny DeKaiser. So DeKaiser, yeah. who is like. This was this cracked me up. The Kaiser, who's basically like their version of Andrew McDonald, a guy who like <laughs> the scouts love, but the stats hate. Mm-hmm. They literally gave him the Andrew McDonald contract. Yeah, he yeah. has a six-year, thirty million dollar contract. I was looking at it who was they're so perfect. I'm looking at who they're paying. I'm like, Danny the Kaiser. What? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, their uh, their full over the cap number is what they're using on LTIR right now. So yeah, they're six mil over the cap. They don't have any good players. It's, it blows my mind. Uh, anyway, and uh, Lundqvist is 400 wins, whatever. He's not even that good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, he's, like, do you think of him as, like, a, a great? Like, yes. he was pretty good. Yes. Yes. He was pretty good for his era. But no, no, very, he's very good. really when, good. When we're great goalies about, win a cup. When we're talking about not elite when they goaltenders, have a it's him. Like, He's yeah. he is an elite goaltender. He's like a he's like a Timo for me. Like, I want him to get traded and win a cup. Oh, I hope he I'd never be, gets one. No, well, he's not I, going to. But I would. no, he's not going to. Yeah. But I'd I'd be really happy if I saw yeah. him. With I don't like. I, I think you know he what? had a good run, and he's just the pretty team good. sucks. You know what? He he's got like the perfect life. So if he doesn't get a yeah, Stanley seriously, cup, I won't screw feel too you, bad Henrik Lundqvist. You're pretty, and everyone likes you. Yeah. Like Hasek was on a bad team, and he got the Sabers to a final. Like the team Lundqvist got to a final wasn't bad, and he's only been there once. I don't know. He's all right. He's like he had a good run. He had a very good only once. Yeah, the Rangers only got to the one, the one final, the one against LA. They've never really made much noise in the playoffs. I don't know. Like great goalies mask so many of your problems, and I feel like as great as he has been, I feel like he has he hasn't though. done that. I don't know. The yeah. team is he, just extra bad. They he had, got some bad defenders paid. Yeah, I guess. Well, well, they had like a they had like a two to three year period with maybe it was only like a two year period when. Uh, What's his name? Uh, Vino showed up in the beginning, yeah, yeah. and they were really good. And that was like the only stretch where he actually, I think, had a good overall team with a good system around him. Before that, he had like the backwards version of John Tortorella, and now he has <laughs> Alain Vino, the version that thinks that uh, that Dan Girardi is like still a top pair defender. Did I read this weekend that the uh, the Blue Jackets players have like? Yeah, told, they, oh yeah, they, they went full millennial. Towards, they told, <laughs> stop yelling they told, at us. The cool yeah. to already, start focusing on the positive right. and yeah. stop yelling. Whenever anything goes wrong, he just starts screaming, and they're like, "Yo, man, he's back!" Towards his back. Say, so this is how he loses this. Imagine team. he tanks this team. Like <laughs> he's, he's going to be on his way out. Team that like, now they're in second because Washington decided to be the Capitals for a little while. Yeah. And now they've they're ahead of freaking everybody. All of a and sudden, and every beat writer but, in Washington has already written the "This is the Caps year they're winning." Oh, of course. Yeah, it's it's a yearly tradition. It'll it'll be. be, Do you think they just reprint the same one? Pretty much, or they write a new one every year? I think they change player names, and that's it. Yeah, like I, I'm rooting for the Caps because I really enjoy, I really enjoy Ovechkin. I mean, yeah, but I like, I just hate DC so much. Like, (laughs) in that whole sports scene, that's like fake. It's just fake there. Like, they're considered the Northeast, and they're not. They're Mid Atlantic. Like, I love Atlantic. Yeah. I love Philly and like I hate New York and Boston, but I feel a kinship with them. Like we all hate each other, but at the end of the day, we all hate th- each other a lot. Yeah, but at the yeah. end of the day, like it's these three cities, and the rest of you are all fake fans with way better stuff going on. Like you got better weather. You, like we DC just does not have better we weather. Have the, yeah, and, and now DC really doesn't have better stuff going no. on. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, DC is very true. DC often they make gets, more money. They're the higher true. cost of living. DC true. often gets thrown into that group of like the northeastern cities with good. 
good fans, and it's not true. No, it's not. No, it's, it's not, not true, true at all. No. Their fucking stadium has a Bed Bath & Beyond. That's all. <laughs> I thought someone else oh, no. would comment. Do you, do you think it might be time to start like, up the song? Oh, yeah. Oh. All right. Uh, I would kick off. Uh, I would kick off our Flyers talk with a real fun segment, uh, asking m- my three esteemed colleagues, "Why can't they score?" Twentieth mm. uh, in the league in goals for. <laughs> That's a good question. Twentieth in the league in goals for minus twenty one goal differential. Why are they not? Why? Why? Why are they? Well, you why? see, Bill. Why are the Flyers? <laughs> why are the Flyers? Why? Why? Why is there no offense at all? Because Even when they win, it's a two-to-one overtime win. Well, like <laughs> that's not a sustainable formula. Everybody sucks. They don't have Marty Brodeur because they're playing a defensive game and they're bad at that. <sighs> I, I think it's a the co- last couple games. I've uh, sorry, Charlie, yeah, but the last couple games, I will say they have actually played better defensively, and I will say that because. Good defense creates offense, and they actually have created chances. Yeah. It's not like they got 17 shots like they did against the Kings. They actually have had chances, and they're just not going in, which is concerning in itself. But so I will like, all right, they're playing better defense now, but they still can't freaking score. Yeah. I've come to accept that we are in a year where everyone is having bad luck. Why? Everyone yeah. is slumping, and everything is bad. We can debate why. I'm going to start with Dave Hackstall, but mm. we all knew that. But um, <laughs> Me too, Kelly. But I think that's is, that's what's happening. It's just kind of like everything that could go wrong with our offense is going wrong. And at some point, they're going to snap out of it, but who who knows when? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think where we're at right now is this is this is what happens when you combine a... I wouldn't even. I, I don't want to even say flawed, but you combine a a low percentage offensive zone shooting style with straight up bad luck. Like if you have a high percentage offensive zone style that like you're constantly trying to get into the slot, you, know, you might have some bad luck, but you're not going to fall off a cliff like this team. And eventually, Ovechkin will bury a one time. Exactly. And exactly. You have a goal. But when you're the Flyers and you're taking tons of shots from the point, and you're having bad luck, then nothing's going right because then nothing's going in. Like, I mean, Andrew McDonald had one of like the four or five best chances in the San Jose game. Yeah, and then Provorov scored right yeah, after. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. God, they really are always shooting from the perimeter, aren't they? They yes. shoot a lot. God, from the it's point. they play so much. From the point. They play so much on the outside. It, oh, why? It, it kills me. No, it's funny because if, if you look at their like scoring efficiency. And granted, this has went down a bit over the past maybe, I don't know, three, four weeks when the team just can't score, period. Mm-hmm. But like the points per 60 numbers for the defense are pretty good relative to the rest of the team, the rest of the league. It's just that the forwards can't That's score. who scores. Yeah, like the, the defense are the ones scores. who score. Because they take so many goddamn shots. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's just, I They're can't. They're bad. I can't wrap my mind around how they cannot score. Like, I, I get that the bottom six is pretty much not going to score ever, but 
like, why can't well, Drew know, and Voracek and Simmons and and Shen create anything the, at five on five? The third line that they had together in the last win, I really liked. Was it was that the Raffle Reed Cousins? Yeah, I was a fan of that. Yeah, I really like liked that. And and they can they can score. So if you keep that line, it's together, three guys who complement each other. Yeah, and and I and they all. I mean, they've probably been some of our best players this year. So. If you're going to keep them together, then maybe you've got three lines that can score. This is just a theory of mine, and I don't have like stats to back it up. But I do believe that when you keep lines together for an extended period of time, they start being able to put together more skill-type plays. Well, how about that? And I almost wonder if one of the reasons why they default so the Flyers default so often to like a low to high, get it to the point, and let them shoot, is because it's easier. And part of the reason for mm-hmm. that is because the line combinations have been juggled so much that the players really haven't had a chance to build that type of like, hey, I know he's going to be open in the slot, so I'm going to pass it to him without thinking. Like it's easier to take shots from the point because the defensemen are always going to be up top. If you're juggling lines constantly, maybe you can't create those skill type passing plays because you're just not used to playing with your line mates and I wish they would just kind of keep lines together longer but that's what part of that is what kills me about what they do offensively in terms of getting pucks back to the point that's all well and good all right that that makes a lot of sense that because the offensive lines get juggled so often there isn't that kind of chemistry but when you get a puck back to the point you need to then crash the net yeah and outside of Wayne Simmons like who crashes the freaking net Braden Shen. Sure, yeah, Braden Shen. Fine, two guys. <laughs> like, if you're good, the only way to score from all the way back there is to like get rebounds and get deflections so, I mean, and get this screens. Is, this is coaching, right? Yes. Yeah, this I is mean, coaching. This is a system. Yeah. Yeah, this is what they're told to do, and it's continually not working, and no one seems to be adjusting. Including the coach. Right. Yeah. Which so, is the bigger problem. Yeah, we're they back ha- to it. They, they have... <laughs> we're, we're back there. Yeah. I, I, I will credit them, credit them to a degree. Over the past 10 or so games, and maybe even a little bit before that, like they, I do believe they have been adjusting their system to a degree. They're, they haven't been taking quite as many shots from the point. Like there's, there's a metric that basically it's called expected Fenwick shooting percentage. And what it essentially means is a lot of, lot of words there. But what it essentially means is that this is what you would expect... The flyer, like the the percentage of goals you'd expect to go in versus the total unblocked shot attempts that they took. So we're move, removing block shots from the equation because it's a skill to get shots through. So the Flyers' expected shooting percentage there is about six percent over the last ten games, which isn't great. It's certainly not on like Washington's level or Minnesota's level or something like that. But it's like middle of the road. It's 18th in the NHL. That's not great. It's not the worst. Earlier on in the year, they were like the worst. So 6% is okay. The problem is they're actually shooting 2.4%. So That seems bad. That seems really bad. And this is where you get to the question of, is it bad luck? Is it a lack of finishing talent? Like That's a legitimate question. At a certain point, like Kelly said, when it's everybody... It's a lot. It's it's all of it. It's bad yeah, luck. It's, 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 it's a combination who, of like five It's bad things. luck. It's guys who can't score. It's everything. We can give Kelly the credit this week, but... This is something that Stephanie has been saying for like three months. Okay. I'll, I'll give the credit way. to Stephanie. <laughs> I steal a lot of Stephanie's ideas. Kind I, of my thing. I steal a lot of your words, so it's fine. <laughs> no, it's it's a coaching problem. It, it, everybody at the same time, it, it just doesn't make sense. Your coach is supposed to get the best out of each individual player, and that's just not happening. 
that's that's 100% fair to say that when you have so many players having poor five on five years like do we really think that they all just woke up one morning and, and became bad hockey players like, maybe no, I, I, I mean it's possible but it seems unlikely seems unlikely maybe they all have amoebas somebody who brain. did uh wake up one morning and well maybe he didn't become a bad hockey player but one morning he was just told you're a bad hockey player uh Shane Gostisbehere <laughs> well and, that hurts me in my soul and now he's back which is good uh he got he's good again he got that assist right away in the first game back what do you know the power play gets yeah, better yeah, when you put Shane Gostisbehere back on the ice was amazing useful. I was really happy to see though because the one thing I have had issue, not even had issue with, just something I thought he could change and like add a dimension to his game was his shot selection. Just like sometimes you just got to get it through, and that big slap shot's fun and all, but when you have the guys in the slot that they do on that power play, get it down low to them and see if you can pound it in, and that's what he did. He put the wrist shot on that. Wayne Simmons finished, and there you go. You got a goal. I was happy to see that. Uh, it says here he had five shots in the two games back, which is an okay number. Uh, he, he got that assist right away. The uh, He was on the ice for two goals against. What the, that was the first game. That was, was that, the first the game, yeah. But yeah. It, like, even with that, I didn't really think either of them were really his no, fault. I, like The second one, maybe I think I said in my observation, like, maybe he could have broken up the play, but like Mason has to make that save. I read your observations, mm. and it was pretty much my thoughts exactly. Like, yeah, he could have been better there, but also like there's a team breakdown on the line change on the one. Yeah, that was good. And the other, yeah, and the other one was, uh, I, I don't know, like stop the puck, dude. You're in, yeah. you're in the net. You're wearing the big pads. Stop the puck. <laughs> like, so, yeah, but he's wearing smaller pants. So. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think so. We started this season kind of giving the goalies a lot of slack to to be as whatever they were because the team is not great in front of them but I think the time has come and and it's probably past to kind of look at them and um say this is not cutting it this is not good enough and, oh it's and we're, we're, we're long past that but point. I don't, I don't yeah, know I mean we're in mid-February now <laughs> yeah. but I don't think it, it's been expressed specifically on this show like I just don't think no you're and you're right like I was a huge Apologist for the goalies Me at the too. start of the season. Because the goaltending was the high point of the team last year. Yeah. 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 Neither really ever at the same time, but one of them at all times was basically carrying the team. Yeah. And this year, except for Mason during a bit of that stretch, yeah. they've both been bad. Yeah. Now yeah. Neuvert's playing better, but I, how long is that going to last? Exactly. That guy's exactly. going to play right. better for two weeks and he's going to be out again. And then yeah. Mason's going to play well and then he's going to get worn down because Neuvert's hurt. And we're going to go through this same cycle until they get two new goalies. I don't know what to do, what else to say other than this is who these two are. So, Bill, when you and I were on the 700 level at the beginning of the season, which we will be again this week. So oh, nice. got the plug in. I, got, I did. So, everybody check out, um, I think it's on CSN on Thursdays, um, the 700 level, we inaccurately predicted <laughs> a weak season by the goalies. Like, that was kind of accidental, and Mark Marzetta kind of ran with that we, when we didn't really say it. We were trying to say that it was going to be a tandem because they were both really good, so it was going to be like last year. Right. But it came out as... Yeah, they don't have a number one goalie. Right. And it turns out that, that is true this season. That, that, no. that yeah. we actually kind of made that happen, yeah. so we're sorry. <laughs> Good um, job, guys. <laughs> but it just, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the answer here is. And now we're looking, both of them are on contract Stolars. years. Neither one of them is playing like they really want to be here next season. So 
I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I always have a real issue because guys who have big contract years, I just go, ah, can you trust them? Because guys who have big contract years, but guys who have bad contract years, I'm like, well, uh, if he can't play well now, what what's going to motivate him? Do you think there's a chance they don't sign either of these Yeah, guys? I think there's a chance. Yeah, I, I, think, there's I think there's a legitimately good chance. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, and I mean, this is... This is really just me kind of just spitballing. Like this is coming with no real inside info, but I think it's more likely they resign Neuvert than Mason mm-hmm. because I think Mason, due to his recent history, would justify a larger contract, and I don't think they're going to be willing to give it to him. And he gets think- the same deal he gets last time, basically, like four, five mil, couple, three, four years. Yeah, but like, my, po- my point is that yeah. after this season, I don't think the Flyers are going to give it. To no, exactly. You don't no. want to give him that kind of. And he's getting older. It's not so like we- he was when he was twenty six. They're the same age. Okay, I'm just saying. Like, we if we're going to talk about age, I'm just saying Michael Neuvert and Steve Mason are the same age. Yeah, because Neuvert you can sign to another one or two year yeah, that, deal. That's kind of my point. And Mason's going to command another multi year contract. You don't want to give it to a 28 year old who's already not looking that great. So, do you think then we're going to go with Neuvert as the starter next year? I could see it being like a one A one B if they sign Neuvert back, like Neuvert Stolars. Stolars, yeah. Um, okay, but I fun. but but I also could see them going out and trying to sign somebody. Like, or, oh yeah, my god! To pair with Stollers, yeah, it's gonna be Ben Bishop. I, I really hope it's not Ben oh Bishop. I really need it to not be anybody longer than two years. Uh, like that's yeah. as, that's as much time as I'm giving another goalie that's not one of our prospects. It two, seems two stupid. Not is to. way too it long. Just, yeah. You just don't know a goalie prospects though, and I don't know mm-hmm. when they'll ever be ready or if any yeah. any of them will ever turn out. Well, it fair. seems like with goalie prospects, you just kind of have to like say fuck it and throw one in and see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they're good, maybe they're bad. You there's, just don't have any idea. Of, there's enough of them. Yeah. So Stolarz, we've seen very small sample size, but we've seen him at the NHL level. He's been decent. Yeah, not terrible. So like, I'm okay with him being one of the guys next year. The rest of them, we'll see. Yeah. I, I don't know. They're, I don't they're know. far away. I mean, Carter Hart's far away. Yeah. Carter Hart's real far away. I would away. assume Sandstrom's still pretty far away. Lion How is close, is but we just don't know what really what he is yet. I mean, he's been. I'm decent still thinking Sandstrom's going to be out of the crop that we have. Sandstrom's going to be the one that's something. That, that Bob that, Rossi out of nowhere. Yeah, I like maybe it. it's possible. I'm, he's the next Lundquist. You heard it here first. <laughs> I don't. Right. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I just jinxed the fuck out of that. By the way, it's never going to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> so the Flyers finally brought up Jordan Wheel. That was interesting. And he looks what a good, time to believe be alive. it or not. He's pretty good. A guy who has been good throughout Sandstrom's his career. only 20. I thought he was older than that. <laughs> yeah, well, he was in the World Juniors, yeah, so that makes sense. This was his last, oh, that makes sense. His last year Sorry. to be World Juniors. I, was look, I, was, I know you're trying to change the subject, Bill, but I had to look this up. That's but all. In, uh, in the first game, he helped create the, the two, or it was, was it the San Jose We're back game? to wheel. Yeah, yeah, wheel now. Okay, he helped create two goals. Yeah, uh, he was in on both of them. Uh, didn't get a point on either, but made plays to help them happen. Uh, why did it take this long to call him up? Because of Dale Weiss. Okay, mm-hmm. because Hextall. I, I think I, and Hextall. And let's and not. I refuse. Well, yeah, I am now judging Ron Hextall. No, oh, yeah, me too. Totally fair. Because what's he done to improve the NHL team? Bring in Belmar or bring in uh, Gordon and bring in Weiss. That's what he's done to improve the NHL team, and they're worse. Well, he kept the babies too. He did 
keep Provorov and Konechny. Oh, great. You didn't trade your seventh overall pick. Like, uh, congrats. <laughs> well, no, You're not kept, a failure kept, like the guys before you. Jesus, fuck. I'm saying he kept them in the NHL instead of sending them back to juniors. All right. That's fine because they're the Provorov's the best player on this team. Mm-hmm. Without, hands down. I mean, this, <laughs> like, without Keeping doubt. him is no great accomplishment. You recognize that the best player in your team belonged on the team. <laughs> Yes. Well, to, to go to go back, he could to have wheel. made a bad but choice, ahead, Charlie. Tell me about Jordan. <laughs> I, I, I really think the reason why um, the reason why Jordan Wheel hasn't been up, and I'm still on the fence on what he even is at this point. He did play very well against San Jose, but I, I what I believe is that it comes down to the fact that they see him as they almost see him as the same way they saw Sam Gagne last year, where like he's a top nine forward and that's all he is, and he can't play on the fourth that's line. That's all he is Wait, on a team that can't score. Well, I agree, but my point is is that they're not. I would love it if the Flyers looked at a guy like Jordan Wheel and said, hey, why can't we put him on the fourth line? Why can't we use our fourth line as a fourth scoring line? But they don't do that because they have the idea that the fourth line is where we park penalty kill specialists because they're just that good on the penalty kill. Because of that, Jordan Wheel was not, in their estimation, one of the top nine best scoring type forwards on the team, and that's why they sent him down. Well, now with Travis Konechny hurt, he became one of the top nine best scoring forward options on the team, and boom, he's up. Is he going to do well? I mean, he looked good in his first game. I don't know what Jordan Wheel's ceiling is. I did like, I like the fact on uh, on Saturday that he looked stronger mm-hmm. this year. Like he really got he fought through some contact. Yeah, yeah. In, in those games last year, he got kind of pushed around, and this time in the corners and on the boards, he was holding his own. I mean, he's not ever going to like dominate there, but he just can't get destroyed, and he looked pretty good. Now, whether that's just his first game back in the NHL, and he's all excited, and he's giving it his all, and then a week later, he's going to get be getting pushed around in the corners again. I don't know, but it was a good start, and that's something that seemed to be like a tangible improvement from last year when he was just kind of there. I, I mean, I, I say this, you know, recognizing that the AHL All-Star game is an exhibition, and it's minor league hockey, but... Watching that game, he was, and it's not just because like I was looking for him. He was the most noticeable player on the ice. He didn't have the biggest stat line, but he looked like the most dangerous player on the ice. Like a guy who wasn't a, a guy who was on a different level than most of the other players out there. Like a guy who pretty much belongs in the NHL. And no, I have no idea what his ceiling is. But if this is going to be what the team is, and this is a transition year. He is the exact player yeah. we should be finding out who exactly. he is. Exactly. Like, Hextall Absol- clearly absolutely. must have asked for him in that in that Cavalier Shen trade. Like, why'd you trade for him? Find out what he is, so that when the rest of the kids come here, mm-hmm. he's not just another kid. He's someone who's got two, three years experience that we can be like, okay, he's a third line winger. He's a fourth line center. We know we have a. We have a piece plugged in place, or you let him go and forget about him and move on. Yeah, or at least you know what he is. Like, the worst case scenario for Jordan Wheel for me is not that he's a career AHL. Like, if he is, whatever. Yeah. He's, he was thrown. The worst case scenario for me is that they let him go, and then somebody else gives him a shot, and he's good. And, like, you're not going to know if he's going to be good unless you actually give him that shot. Because at some point, somebody's probably going to give him a chance, whether it's a planned chance or whether it's just, hey, everybody got hurt, so fine, let's give this 26-year-old a chance at the NHL. And what if he plays well? And then you're like, well, shit, what the hell are we doing with this guy? We didn't play him because we had to give Dale Weiss time on the third line. Like, see what you have in him. If he sucks, that's fine, but at least you know. 
at least you know. If he, if he plays poorly, then you can say, all right, well, you're a career AHL, or if you think you're more than that, then we should probably part ways. But you got to know. you got to learn what these players are. Dale Weiss played six minutes and five seconds against the Sharks. Why is he in the lineup? Great question. I don't think anyone here. <laughs> like the coach, I mean, you're not. You're not going to find an answer the from coach, one of us. No. The coach fills out the lineup card and decides who plays, and then basically decides to go with eleven forwards. Yeah. Whoa, why not go with guy. the guy who you're going to use? That's eh, crazy. What? Like I, I don't know. I don't remember it being a, like a special teams filled game where he doesn't fit a role. They just decided to go with 11 forwards. They probably just didn't roll the fourth line much, and the only reason why Belmar and Vandevelde's ice time looks okay is because they play the penalty kill. That's what I would assume. Look, I'm with you. My my preference would be to scratch Vandevelde and roll a fourth line of Weiss, Lubimoff, and and Belmar, but that's not going to happen because Vandevelde's never going to get scratched. Which is absolutely asinine. No, I don't think anything annoys me more about this team than the fact that Chris Vandevelde is never coming and, out and of the And the funny lineup. thing is it probably doesn't have that big of an impact from no. like a win percentage standpoint. It's, it's, it's just really annoying. It's infuriating. It's, no, it's it's like that like it's it's like that nagging itch in the middle of your back <laughs> that you just yeah. can't quite reach. Like it's 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 annoying. It's yeah. it's the it's that coupled with the the standards that are put on guys like Connecty and Gossis Bear who might not be playing their best hockey at all times, but give you a chance to every now and then score a goal. Yep. And Vandevelde, this penalty kill specialist, is you know the centerpiece of a of the 18th ranked penalty kill in the league. What's the point? What the hell is the point? I, I, it's just ah. <laughs> I'm, I'm moving on. Uh, I have this heading here. Provorov is good. Is but this it, true? Can it, confirm. Big if true. It, it may, <laughs> I, I say it because I want to actually get to. Andrew McDonald hasn't been bad the last couple games. Well, let's not get crazy. This, Charlie, this, he this happened be- has it. This happened before. Yeah. I know, yeah. Remember, yeah. it was it November, like right when he got paired with Provorov? We're yeah. like, wow, you know, maybe Provorov really is that good that he can make McDonald okay. And then, of course, their numbers fell off a cliff. And- Isn't this the thing, though, where Andrew McDonald's good is just not horrifying? So we're like, oh, Wait a second. Well, the, the- He's not leading to 17 <laughs> goals against this game. He's actually good. The way I look at it, and this is me being as optimistic as possible about Ivan Provorov, is that, like, over the past three games, over the past three games, McDonald's score does, of course, he's been 60%, which is really good. But, like, aside from that one shot that he took, the one uh, the one shot that hit the post and then Provorov scooped it up and scored when the Flyers finally got a 5-on-5 goal, aside from that... I it, saw that. Yeah, it happened. Amazing, <laughs> a goal. Um, but aside from that, it's not as if McDonald's play has been... Amazing. Like, it's not like he's been making great plays. It's just that like he's not been awful. And like I saw him, make- and, and, and like this is how good. These are the numbers that Provorov can put up when his pairing person, when his his, his pair mate, is just not awful. Like yeah. just give him a, a guy on his pair that is not terrible, and he can dominate. There were like a few subtle plays I saw McDonald make, and it was mostly utilizing Provorov. Like it was a, it was on a breakout, and they're both behind the net. McDonald got it over to Provorov. Four checkers close in on Provorov. He gets it right back to McDonald. McDonald's got plenty of space, skates until he's almost out of room, and makes a short pass that he can't possibly flub, and the guy he passed it to gets it through the neutral zone. If he just plays within himself and minimizes his... He's going to make a ton of mistakes because he's bad. <laughs> but, and just minimizes those mistakes to, like... 
to not the most dangerous possible situations, like throwing it up the middle for no reason. Like he he can be passable, I guess, and paired with Provorov. It kind of works. It almost works. That requires him to make good decisions on the ice, and he almost never does that. Yeah, it's a real issue. Like, his hockey IQ is one of the most concerning things about him. Right, it's not just What are you doing? Exactly, exactly. What actually happened was the boost of confidence from the town hall meeting just went straight to his head, and he decided, I actually am a hockey player. I'm a a top four (laughs) defenseman. Hey, that's coaching. (laughs) That's coaching. We're saying At least he's getting the best out of somebody. he's got to get the best out of his players. He's getting his best out of them. Oh, my God. He's getting the absolute best out of one of his three worst players. Uh, but this, let, I mean, let, let's be realistic here. Like this is this is Provorov. No, like, yeah, Provorov is the reason it's, why it's, McDonald's no, is playing. No, this note you have this note you have here about Provorov and Wierenski and who they're paired with and stuff is is it's incredible. Yeah, actually. yeah. yeah uh, oh, Provorov might be the best player in the league. Is, <laughs> but like, is, is how I'm reading it is Provorov is the best player in the league. He's better than Connor McDavid. But no, like I'll, I'll roll it's through right. it. So like Wierenski is outscoring Provorov, but most of that is due to the fact that Wierenski is on the top power play unit of one of the best power plays in the league in Columbus. Yeah. If you look at five on five scoring, Provorov's outscored him. Provorov's average one point zero six points per sixty at five on five, whereas Wierenski's at point six. So Provorov's been the better five on five scorer, and that's despite the fact that. Wierenski's most common, uh, most common pair mate, whatever you're gonna call it, pairing person, um, is Seth Jones, who's kind of good, pretty good, and and, and and Provorov's is Andrew McDonald. So like, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to compare. Like like Wierenski's advanced metrics, like his, his play drive metrics, like the they blow Provorov's out of the water. But sure. like, how can you even accurately compare the two when one guy has Seth Jones and the other guy is Andrew McDonald? You can't. It's like comparing apples and oranges, which I believe you can compare. They're fruit. Because oranges are delicious. Oranges are disgusting. And apples are raccoon bait. Well, I got a lot of thoughts about that, but not for this show. (laughs) Very different opinions. (sighs) Anyway, so I'm looking at the wild card picture. That's fun. (laughs) Because I, 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 I honestly don't want the Flyers to win another game this year except for the, the stadium series game. Because I already paid for my ticket, and I'm going to be wearing an orange tuxedo, and I don't want to get in a fight for no reason. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I want them to lose out, because making the playoffs is the worst possible freaking thing that could happen to this team. It would it's be a, very it's bad. A, it's an affirmation of all the things they do wrong if they were to somehow pull out the playoffs. Well, I don't I don't agree with and, that, but I, I, I understand the sentiment. And I'm looking at these standings, and as bad as I think this team has been, the East is so compounded. Like, everyone's so on top of each other, they're right in it still. They have the exact same number of points as the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs just have two games in hand for the second spot. The Maple Leafs also have Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Yeah, they're just, they the had a Maple bad first month. And to make way, the playoffs the for funsies. And they, they will. I think yeah. that they're going to make it before the Flyers do. Got to. It, it's They're just the better team. But uh, looking at the standings I mean, as a whole... I mean, their defense is a mess, but... Looking at the standings as a whole, like the top four teams in the Metro are so far ahead of the entire rest of the conference, except for Montreal, who's kind of up there with them. And now Montreal's talking about trading people because yeah. they're insane. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Montreal. Of course they are. But yeah, they're, like, they're in, there's the top, Washington, Columbus. I didn't realize Boston was that good. Washington, I mean, they're not. No. no. It's Washington, Columbus, Pittsburgh, and the Rangers are so far ahead of the rest of the conference, and then everyone else is separated by 10 points. Mm. Spots 6 through 16 in the East are separated by 10 points. Hmm. How? Like, is it How? just parity? 
Is it? Is the East just? It, it, there's it, no dominant team except for Washington. Is it? It's, it's parity plus the point system. Like truthfully, that's what it is. But when you look out west, it's different. There are just awful teams. Like there's a big separation between sixth and fourteenth out west, or whatever it is. Well, hold on, I'm I'm pulling it up now because there are some awful teams in the east too. But they're not, but they're that, not awful. that far out of it. Yeah, they're I not that they're, awful. Well, de- yeah, like, Detroit, but that's Detroit's that only a couple of points out of a playoff spot, and they're the worst team in the east. Colorado, woo! Yeah, Colorado's got like thirty <laughs> points. They, they've 32, had a fun year. <laughs> Thirty-two points. Yikes! But Arizona me, at forty-three. It also made me look at the playoff format, which I liked at first because the first round last year was so much fun. But uh, I realized teams aren't fighting for eight positions; they're fighting for five. You have your three, you have your three division spots, and then the two wild cards. It's not an open race, which is kind of silly because looking at these standings, the Metro is so much freaking better than everybody. Again, I don't want the Flyers to make the playoffs, but like based on points, they're right there. They're ahead of half of the freaking Atlantic. Eh, points wise, they deserve it. My my big problem with the system, like, is I get the logic behind the way they want to do, it, which is basically we want there to be big rivalries in the playoffs yeah, every I get year. It. My problem with it is that, like, you know how rivalries happen. Like, yeah, part of it is geographical, but but part of it is just like chance. Like, for example, I remember growing up, like the Flyers kind of fell into rivalries with the Sabers and the Maple Leafs. Yeah, they weren't in their division. They just happened to play them a couple times in the playoffs. Playoff series and those playoff intense. series were a lot of fun because yeah. you were like, God damn, we're against friggin' Hoshik again. Are we going to be able to score on them this time? Like, that was fun, and those rivalries happened because the playoffs allowed you to play anybody in the conference. Yeah. Now, it's like, I think the, the worst part about it is the fact that now for the second straight year, one of Pittsburgh or Washington is going to be out before the conference finals. And like they're, they're, those two teams are clearly the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. That should be the conference championship game. It should mm-hmm. be. But it's not going to be because they got to play each other in the Metro Division Championship or whatever. Like, let's, let's, let's make it so the two best teams in a conference always get to the conference finals as long as they don't choke. That yeah. would be ideal for it me. It would be nice. Yeah. Instead, we're going to get to hear about how Alexander Ovechkin didn't make it past the second round again. <laughs> That, I mean, uh, it's a, uh, that's a tough one because I want it to happen, and I also don't. <laughs> it's t- I'm not sure what I want more is the narrative or like actually seeing him play in a Stanley Cup final because like not getting to see the most talented goal scorer of a generation even in an Eastern Conference final, let alone a Stanley Cup final, would be a bummer. But the takes. The takes. I get to do this show. <laughs> I get to do this show and rip Alex Ovechkin. You know what would be fun? And I, I was talking to one of the people up in the press box about this. It would be really fun if we got to see a uh, a Washington-Minnesota Stanley Cup. Ooh. Boudreaux versus his old team. That would be fun. That would be, that fun. Would be fun. And they're both they're both really fun teams to watch. That would be a good Stanley yeah, Cup. It would be. Yeah. I was I was watching the, uh, watching the game. I was th- uh, on Saturday the the Red Wings uh, Wild game. I was thinking Wild wi- Wild Washington. That would be that would be a fun series. That'd be a fun one. That would be a, they they both have size and they both have speed and a lot of skill. It could be like the best of what I want the new NHL to yeah. be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, what do we got here? Okay, this uh, the top twenty five under twenty five. Yeah, we, we're we don't want a top twenty five under twenty five feature this week. We don't want to give it all away. It seems like you're saying, but I don't care if we do. Oh, so, <laughs> so how do we want to approach? Well, this? I was think I was thinking that we could talk through the like our picks for the top five because okay. I, I I do think that now there is legitimate debate. 
Like, there's at least four guys who sh- really should be in everyone's top five. And the order in which those four guys are is, de- is legitimately debatable. You, I think you can pick any one of those yeah. four, and you can make a case for any one of, and I'll, I'll spoil it, any one of Provorov, Konechny, Couturier, or Gossespierre is number one. Some have stronger cases than others, but you could make a case for each of them. And that's where this gets fun. I like that it includes the NHL players. Because the prospects are a lot of fun, but it also puts Couturier in perspective. Like, I'm frustrated with him, but I'm still, like, there's a percentage of me that's like, oh, wow, that's right, he's 24. Like, so, like, I'm I'm holding on with that, so. <laughs> You're trying. I really am. I just, ah, uh, he didn't bury that freaking chance. Uh, yeah, I, I was, I was at, I was at the game in the stands, and, like, like we were, like, literally, one row from the top row in the 200 level mm-hmm. and the entire section after that play how the hell did that not go in like that looked like such an obvious it was a goal. goal that's that's <laughs> you score on that play and like sometimes goalies make great saves sometimes you just don't put it where you want to put it <laughs> but when it's uh, yeah Seth gets it uh <laughs> But, like, uh, how? When it's Couturier and he's consistently the guy that can't put it away, like, it's, and he's got eight goals and they're all at five on five, so it's not like he hasn't scored a decent number of goals this year for him. But, like, come on, man. Get one. He just, Get me that big goal that makes me say, that was a great play, it, my it, man. You know what I kind of equate him to and what he's quickly becoming? He's like the forward version of Matt Carl. Like, I used, I used to have this thing. He's, I, 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 I called it the Matt Carl principle, which was whenever Matt Carl makes a mistake, it always ends up as a goal because... It has to that has to happen so that the fan base freaks out about yes. how terrible Matt Carl is. With Katuriat, every time he has a chance to score, something has to go wrong so the fan base can be like, how come this guy never scores? That that the Matt Carl thing was always great because like someone would be like, actually he's only middle of the road in giveaways. It was like, Yeah, but they all ended up in the back <laughs> of the net. I guarantee it. Ninety eight percent of his giveaways. Anyway, top twenty five under twenty five. So it's really hard not to put Proverov one, just because I think he's already the best player in the team. I think he is too. I think so I, I have him drunk when I rank these players. <laughs> I I really went back and forth. Like I I ended up putting Proverov one myself, mm-hmm. but the the thing that that held me back is just that I'm I'm all about like the certainty of what a player is, and okay. with Proverov it's hard because as we talked about, his advanced metrics are not that good this year. I think that's because Andrew McDonald is Andrew McDonald. I don't know for sure. And it, I, my concern, I, I look at a guy like Rasmus Ristolainen, who everybody who watches him by the eye test is like, this guy is great. He's a first-pair defenseman. He gets tons of minutes in Buffalo, scores a lot of points. And then you look at his advanced metrics, and they're, they're hot garbage. And I always worry about defensemen because I just don't think we're I don't think we're that good at evaluating them yet. And I always worry about a defenseman who like seems to pass the eye test for me, but the numbers aren't there. And it's like, well, shit, what if I'm just wrong? But I really don't think we're wrong about Proveroff. I really do think he's this good. I think you're right. Like even even at this point, having watched Gostas Bear to this point, like where when we were here with Ghost last season, I was like, okay, his offense is great. I don't know what he's going to be defensively, and I no one can score at this pace, you know? Like, <laughs> as, as awesome as it was, like, and I love him, and I still think he's going to be an effective player, and if they trade him, it's a huge mistake unless, like, they do get a Matt Duchesne or something for him. But, like, I wasn't 
as gung ho sold as him. Like I thought, Ghost is never going to be a first pair defender. Yeah, yeah. Like that was never going to happen. Well, at least a traditional first. Yeah, pair yeah. Defense. He's going to be like a, he gives you a competitive advantage because watch Carlson, watch Burns. It's impossible to defend a guy like that. And it's really important to have a player like that, but I don't know if he can ever have those tough minutes. Provorov, to me, just at 19 years old, looks like he can handle it all. And, like, you know, Aaron Ekblad having a bad season. So you never know what a guy's going to be in three years. Like, we all thought Braden Coburn was the second coming for a couple of weeks. It happened. I a was, couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, from the time they acquired him through, like, those no, playoffs. He had, he had that really, really good rookie year. Or not rookie yeah, year, but the, like, the, the first, first full years, season yeah. where he had, like, 35 points and showcased this, like, great shot and could skate and could do everything. He this had guy's that playoff be a first series. It was him and Tiemann matched up against Ovechkin when Ovechkin yeah. was, like, the greatest thing the yeah. league had ever seen. And So you never know. But by everything I can tell, I believe Ivan Provorov is a first pair defenseman. I agree. I agree. Um, so yeah, I put him number one. I I I almost put Couturier one just because I know what Couturier is. I know he's a useful player. I know, like, I don't think he's going to be a first line center ever, but I know that he drives play. I know that he's a great penalty killer. And I that know shark, that, like, despite not scoring that Sharks game, he played despite, a great. Game. Yeah, he played well. I mean, the, I think his line had like a ninety percent Corsi in that game. They were constantly in the offensive zone. I know Couturier is good. I don't know quite how good Provorov is, but I just think he's he's gotta be. Like he's gotta be a first pair. I had Couturier at one for exactly that reason. Yeah, which is fair. Yeah. Like it's always I think we talked about this the first time around that we did this. It's always hard to like weigh what you know with what the potential is. And when the potential is super high, it's like, okay, well do I if I'm ranking now, I kind of want to value what I know more than what I think might happen. And like in so my mind, yeah. I'm thinking prospects. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, Lindblom. He's like in my top three. And then I'm like, oh wait, they but he's got, a prospect. Yeah, they right, got Travis yeah. Konechny in the league already. Like, so yeah. It, I had Sean Couturier as number three. Looking at the Fair. rankings, you have Proveroff one, mm-hmm. and then who connected to? Shane Gossespierre. Gossespierre connected number two. Pro- okay. Provorov, Gossespierre, Couturier, Sanheim, Konechny. Oh, so you had Sanheim over Konechny. I, That's I, interesting. I, that is interesting. I'm in love with Travis Sanheim, and I think that we'll see. We'll All see right. how he does next we'll year. See. I mean, he's yeah. probably going to make the team next year. I am. I guess Stolarz, everyone has Stolarz a little high. I'm surprised by how low Carter Hart is. I think I think I had lists. I think I had Stolarz in like the back half of my top ten. And I that's, think yeah, I think that's where I had him too. Yeah, and that's just because he's at least gotten to the NHL level and shown that he doesn't look totally out of place there, okay. even if it was only like two games. Carter Hart is he had a shutout. really really far away from the NHL, so you just don't know. I mean, the upside's there, certainly the upside's there, but there's just more question marks than a guy who's not only been to the NHL, but it's also done pretty darn well in the AHL, which mm-hmm. is a level that Hart hasn't hit yet. And that is all the time we have for you this week on BSH Radio. Be sure to check out BroadStreetHockey.com. Big thank you to Wildfire Radio. Uh, we couldn't do it without them, honestly, because I have no idea how any of this stuff works. <laughs> I just we, come in, We I did just, have voicemails. Sorry, I'm cutting you off. We did have we'll voicemails that we did not get to this week, and we're sorry about we'll get that, to but we will uh, get to you. Big shout out to Taylor Behind the Glass. Have a great week, everybody. Go Flyers. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah! Who's gonna score a hockey goal? Our team! No one does more hockey than our boys. The Flyers! Broad Street Hockey Radio! Turn that shit up, you
Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly.